Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. As you know, I have a periodic co-host with me, Chris Knutson, who is not here today. He's located in Germany. I'm here on the East Coast in the U.S., Um, So we kind of tag team this podcast together. And I will say that we just published our 100th episode of the Engineering Career Coach podcast, the first podcast that we started more focused on general, personal, and professional development for engineers. It was a big milestone for us. Those of you out there that listen to that podcast, we thank you for your support. It's been an amazing ride. And this is the 25th episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast. So we are a quarter of the way there and we will continue to deliver it for you. We have a really, really powerful show for you today. We're going to focus on civil engineering resume hacking, and we have a resume expert, Rich Poulin, who I'm going to introduce to you momentarily. But it was interesting to have Rich contact us. You know, there's a lot of resume experts on the internet. We know that. But Rich studied actually a couple hundred civil engineering resumes specifically and wrote about it and has case studies to show us on this show or at least to talk about on this show. So I think you're going to find this show very interesting. And even if you're not looking for a job right now, it's always important to keep your resume 100% up to date. I mean, you have to know that by now. Anything could happen at any time. So you need to be ready. And this episode will help you to do that. Before we dive into the main segment of our show, I want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this show. We do have a sponsor now in the CE podcast, as you know, in PPI, who also sponsors the Engineering Career Coach podcast. And we're absolutely thrilled to have them. If you are thinking about taking the civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI. They are the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code civil at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code civil for a 20% discount. All right, now let's jump into the Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for this week's Civil Engineering Conversation, where we talk to a professional who has had success in their field, striving towards a specific goal, or has some knowledge that can be shared with civil engineering professionals to help them move forward. And today's guest is Richard Poulin. Richard is a resume writer and marketing professional with 12 years of experience. He spent most of his career with PwC, the largest consulting firm in the world. His role there was to help accountants and business consultants stand out in the marketplace. That's where he learned everything about resumes, and that's going to be our topic for today. Today, he's working on a business of his own, resume hacking. He writes ebooks to offer tailored resume advice by profession. He has a bachelor's degree in communication, master's degree in political science, and he's actually written a book just for civil engineers. And all of the examples in his book come from civil engineering resumes. Richard, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is an interesting topic, of course. Uh, There's a lot of engineers out there either looking for a job or, in my opinion, you always need to keep a resume that is up to speed. 
Right. So Richard, tell us a little bit about your background. We know that you were working at a consulting firm, but what made you really want to dig into the realm of resumes? I realized I was uh, developing this expertise when I was helping accountants sell their services. And I think our jobs are a big part of our lives today. And the resume is often an important key to get the jobs. But uh, a lot of people are somehow uh, not happy about their resume or don't really know how to go about doing this and how to optimize someone's resume was something I was really digging. So I figured, hey, let's do this full time, right? That's interesting. And, and the one thing for you to note as a listener is that Richard is going to focus today specifically on civil engineering resumes. It's not just, this is not general. He's done his research. He's looked at different civil engineering resumes. So with that being said, I'm going to jump right in and just fire off some questions that Richard revolved all around the resume and the job search. So Richard, to kick us off here, what would you say is kind of a smart way to address the job search kind of as a whole? Because I know like the mindset, the, the idea of this big picture is an important aspect if you're trying to play this game, which is a hard one. Yeah, I see a lot of people when they need a job like they're all they're thinking is let's update my resume and let's fire it off. Like they, they start running right away before making some sort of a plan. So there's a few blind spots that people have sometimes. And I think it's a good idea to make sure you don't have any blind spots before you try to find a job because a properly planned job hunt can help you shave two or four weeks off the job hunt. That's a lot of money. So it's a wise thing to start planning. So the first mistake that I see some people doing is jumping in without clear career goals. Sometimes you want to go back into management or you want to leave management or you want a more technical job or a more finance job or however that is for you, you have to figure this out. If it's not clear in your mind, going through the process of trying to get interviews to try to clarify this is a bit of a silly thing to do. So figure this out before you start anything related to your job search. So the first thing to address the big picture, you have to understand how the job search process goes. Like it's, in my view, it's a dysfunctional process, but it's the best that we have. And we have to understand the, the way it, it happens. So your resume will start off in a big pile, right? You want to stand out from your peers and your resume is first in a big pile where it's going to be compared for key criteria. Do you have the basics? And that can be done by a resume parser, a computer, or it can be done by a human being. After that, if you reach the smaller pile, the best uh, of the, the big pile, you're going to be compared based on your accomplishments. And that's a word I'm going to be repeating a lot today because it's something I think is very important to the job search with accomplishments, you can stand out among your peers. And that's how you can get to the interview. So it's not a lottery, right? They don't put resumes in a hat and pick ones randomly. They want the best. They want to, be, you need to be top five, right? You have to aim for top five out of 50 out of 100 candidates if you want to get an interview. So a tailored resume is usually required. I preach that all the time to, to civil engineers that if you're applying to 50 jobs, you got to have 50 resumes. It's it's really super important. And I know, Richard, that you've you've looked at over 100 civil structural engineer resumes. You've taken the top 25 and each of them had different elements that you liked. 
how do I make my resume stand out as a civil engineer? So first of all, I love this question because it helps me to clarify the topic and clear the confusion. I find a lot of people don't know what are the priorities when they're updating their resumes or when they're networking or like it's hard to figure out what comes first. And I thought of something to make that clearer. And I call that the three laws of resume writing. Would you like to hear the three laws of resume writing? Oh, please. I would. And I'm sure our listeners would as well. Of course. So they're, they're inspired by the three laws of real estate, location, location, location. And the three laws of resume writing are accomplishments, accomplishments, and accomplishments. <laughs> so obviously it could be only one law, but the thing is accomplishments are so critical to your resume. Your accomplishments are as important as everything else. Your resume format, the structure, the vocabulary, the length, and all that jazz is as important as your accomplishments. So if you want to make your resume stand out, you need strong accomplishments. Now, the reason that I wrote the resume hacking books was because there was a lack of clear accomplishments out there. Uh, there's a lot of examples of accomplishments, but when they're not tailored to your specific job, I find that it's really hard to adapt them sometimes. And it's not only the most important aspect of most resumes, it's the biggest weakness of most resumes. So let me read you a few of the accomplishments that I found when I was looking through civil engineers resumes. And I'll explain as I go how, how to write your own. So here's a first one, personally responsible for generating 35% of company contracts. Do you hear that money? If you're the employer, wow, this guy worked at a firm and he was personally responsible for 35% of the contracts. From the perspective of the employer, accomplishments are very valuable. They often contain numbers, of course, money figures, but also uh, something like this, consulting on difficult engineering problems for more than 400 projects, office buildings, hotels, stadiums, apartment complexes, and industrial buildings. Now here, the only thing that we have that's a number is the 400 projects, and it's a very hefty number. So as an employer, and you always have to put yourself in the employer's shoes when you're writing your resume, 400 projects tells me that this person is very reliable. They've seen it and done it before, and that's very comforting. So I know they can solve the problems, address the issues, and so forth. Another example of accomplishment. An alternative frozen soil shoring system was used to limit the effect of vibration and utility relocation associated with conventional sheet pile shoring. The cost savings from using frozen soil shoring was estimated at 120000 dollars when compared to sheet piling. Hmm. Now here, the person could have stopped in the middle saying, oh, we found an alternative way to do this thing. And which I don't understand in detail because I'm not an engineer. But when I read it, I can put myself in the employer's shoes and see that the key part of this is the cost savings. And a lot of times when you write your own resume, your perspective is you assume that what you're writing, there's an underlying meaning that the reader will understand. But 
do not make that assumption. Make sure to write it out from the perspective of your client or your employer, what was the value? So I've given you two examples with financial value. I've given you an example of reliability. Would it have been a little bit more, I mean, I think it was effective, but would it have been a little bit more effective if they started by saying, help the company save $120,000 by XYZ? Because I feel like it took a while to get to the number. Is that not necessary? Actually, I, I agree with you that starting with the, the most important uh, information is a good principle. However, in writing, when you see the number, I think that like the $120,000 figure really catches your eye on the page. So that might be a, like a loss of information through audio. Okay. But I think that using numbers on, on a resume is a very good way to catch the eye. And to make a point on this, if you have to say four or six, sometimes people spell it out F-O-U-R, but use the number figure to make sure to draw the eye to these numbers because people are drawn to numbers. Numbers make people believe it more. It makes the information somehow more credible. Got it. So another one, another accomplishment. As civil discipline task leader, performed alignment, grading design, drainage design, contract drawings, development, and cost estimate. And here's the best part. This $28 million project was completed on a short deadline of five months, which included last-minute out-of-scope add-ons. Now, here the example is about meeting deadlines despite last-minute add-ons, out-of-scope add-ons. So we understand that there's resourcefulness, that this engineer really figured out ways to deal with the problems in the project and still make it happen within deadline. So once again, from the employer's perspective, this is very valuable. And the last one, which is fairly easy if you've ever led a team, you should have something like this on your resume. Supervise a team of 12 project managers and nine design consultants for 14 months. So here the value is just leadership qualities. It shows that you've dealt with teams before, so it means you have a lot of skills to handle teams. So leadership, taking initiative, solving problems, optimizing processes, financial value. These are the elements that I, as an employer, am looking for in your resume. And that's how you will make your resume stand out. And when I was looking at these resumes, I realized, and it's true for many, many professions, most resumes have one or two accomplishments. And the rest is just roles and responsibilities. Roles and responsibilities like any of your peers have done. Roles and responsibilities, what you did, will not differentiate you. It is what you did plus the value from your employer's perspective. And in a nutshell, I often say accomplishments are something you should get a bonus for. Interesting. Very interesting. And it's good to hear those examples because, I mean, that's what we need. People tell people stuff about their resumes all the time, but to have someone go through as many as you have and bring that information out, that's really helping. Let me ask you this question, Richard, that I'd like to understand your take on it because I, I often tell this to engineers. Is it true that recruiters only spend five or 10 seconds on a resume? Well, it is true if your resume sucks, right? So it, a lousy resume will only get, well, six seconds. Like That's like the new number from the latest study on this. 
But the numbers usually go from 10, 15, 36, whatever. But it's true that on the first pass, the recruiter is scanning and not reading resumes. So they're looking just for key criteria. Do you make a reasonable, good first impression with your diploma and your years of experience? So if that is hidden, if that is buried in your resume, it's hard to find or poorly formatted. You will only get six seconds and your resume will be discarded. Now, a great way to address that and to make sure that you make the most of this very short first pass is to start with a resume summary, very short, very succinct list of bullets, five, six bullets that credentialize yourself, demonstrate the breadth of your experience and give a few key accomplishments. It takes some time to think about this, just to make sure you, you put the right examples in there. But it's like uh, sometimes people call it a profile or a bio. But if you open your resume with this summary, even though some examples might be copy pasted from elsewhere in the resume, if they are your strongest accomplishments, it's very okay to the same text to appear twice. It's not a problem that there is some redundancy when we're talking about the material that will most likely make you stand out. You want to make sure that people see it. That's good to know because I've told a lot of people that, so it sounds like it is true, but you can get their attention for longer if you take some of those steps, which is great. Here's another question that I get from civil engineers all the time. How can I optimize my resume to deal with these automated, you know, computerized screening processes that are in place right now for the resume? So let me start with a story because I often have to convince people that this is real. In Silicon Valley, there was this software engineer shop and they had an applicant tracking system. The applicant tracking system is the software that does the, the screening. So they wanted to test it out. You know how software engineers can be. They're like, hey, let's test it out. They like the new toys and Let's figure out if our own best engineers would make it through the system. So they didn't tell HR. They took their five best engineers. They changed the names and the names of companies. But these guys had been doing for two years, for three years, for five years, the very things that they were hiring for. You would expect obvious great results, but only three out of them were called for interviews. Two of their best engineers with the most perfect, pinpoint, precise experience were not even invited for interviews. And that's because the resume screener just rejected them. And just so you know that these things are everywhere now, big companies, 95% of them use such applicant tracking systems. Medium companies, the figures are at 60%. And for smaller companies, even 100 employees, 200 employees, we see them. It's a possibility if you apply to a company with like 200 employees that your resume will be scanned by the resume parser. Hmm. Just to let you know the background of this, a, applicant tracking systems have been around for like 15 years, but it's only been about five years that they're more mainstream, that people have been hearing about that. And uh, I think they've reached a tipping point where they are pretty much everywhere, which might not have such big consequences if the software was good. If the resume parsing 
was well-oiled system, but it's not. The Silicon Valley story just shows you that 40% of the best engineers were rejected because of silly rules. So when you deal with these systems, and I've made a big research recently, I got in touch with programmers in ATS companies and other people in the industry, and they told me that the formatting tips, the lists of formatting tips that we see on the web are accurate. Like the way I picture it, it's like uh, an old and sad librarian that loves her rules, you know, like with ugly glasses and like there's all these finicky rules that you have to obey. Otherwise, we're going to discard your resume. That's how I see that software, because let me give you a few examples of the rules, but I'm not going to cover them all because it's just too long. But you can't use columns like it, it can throw it off. You can't use special characters. Like if your name is in a header or a footer, it can be missed. They won't see your name. You can't use section names that are too out of the ordinary. Let's say instead of experience, you would use professional background as a section name. The software might not understand what you're talking about. And for engineers, you have a PE title. Well, you can't put that on the same line as your name, right? So. If I take you as an example, Anthony Fasano, then you skip a line and then you write your professional title like PE and whatever else. Otherwise, it might consider that this your title is part of your name. And when they are looking for the criteria, does he have the title? It's going to say no. So there's all these little stupid rules. I have an infographic that I put up recently on ResumeHacking.com called Beat the Job Boards. But the rules for automated resume screening or beating applicant tracking systems are fairly consistent. You can find them around on the web and you really need to get with the program. This is it's really happening. And a lot of people are being discarded for formatting reasons, which is ridiculous, but it's the world we live in. Wow, that's that's interesting, especially since I tell people sometimes to put their name in the header just so that they get more space on the resume, but that could hurt them potentially. So that's definitely good to know. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about cover letters, Richard. Are they still necessary? There's a lot of fuss around cover letter being dead. I think, again, the, the cool companies, the Facebooks and the Googles are saying, oh, we don't need cover letters anymore. And since these guys get a lot of press coverage, it starts to get in our heads. Like people think, yeah, cover letters are behind us. And I don't think they're dead. I could agree that they're dying. But right now, a lot of people still expect a cover letter when you're sending your resume. So cover letters are a great place to explain things. Okay, so it shouldn't just be like a, the same cover letter every time. If you're moving, for example, or if you're changing careers, or if you're a military going back to civilian life or whatever else you have to explain, the cover letter is a great place to do it. And there are tricks, okay, to write good tailored cover letters very quickly. And I have an article about that on my website, but it's really just using accomplishments. You choose the right accomplishments for the job description that you're applying for and you replace them. And like there's minimal editing you can do to maybe produce a cover letter in 10 minutes for an application. I think it's very reasonable, but at this time it's still necessary. Okay, excellent. And we'll, we're going to link to Richard's website and some of the information he provided us in the show notes for this podcast. So you'll be able to easily access all of that. Richard, if I'm a recent graduate 
how does that impact my resume or does anything change from some of the things you just talked about? Usually the heart of your resume is your experience section, but as a recent graduate, your education is more important. So you want to put that first. You want to put your education before your experience. If you need to beef it up, uh, you can add special projects in there. You can also add relevant coursework, like uh, relevant coursework, for example, waters, resource engineering, structural dynamics, site planning and design. Any coursework that can hit the keywords that they're looking for. If you have a job ad and you want to hit some of the keywords, you can use that section, your education section, to add some relevant coursework, which could hit those keywords. Now, I was talking earlier about opening with a summary, right? So if you're just graduated, you should open with a branding statement. A summary is will be hard to fill for someone with little experience. So I'm not going to cover this right now because it, it takes a lot of time to research and think it through. But look for branding statements on your resume on Google and you'll find good information to craft a compelling opening sentence or two to get people to read further on your resume. The last tip is to aim for one page. Since you're a recent grad, your resume should be very concise and will probably hold on one page. Great. Richard, what are some tips or some powerful things that can be done with regards to the job search that people often uh, overlook? Well, there's a lot of things that are overlooked. A lot of complaints from recruiters that people never say thank you. And that's a very Canadian thing to, for me to say, to start with a politeness tip. But thank you notes, thank you emails are very, very simple thing to do, right? And yet only 20% of people do that. Just a little thank you email to your recruiter, to the people that you met. And surveys have shown that people don't expect a handwritten letter anymore. So like only 14% of the people surveyed said that a, a handwritten note would be a better way to reach them. But uh, most people agree that an email is fine. Another thing that's very, it's almost like a hidden job tip, but to me it's, the more I talk about it and I read about it, I'm like, yeah, that's, it sounds very obvious now that I'm in the business, but it's called informational interviews. And maybe the name throws people off. To me, a very simple way to look at informational interviews is let's grab a coffee. Let me give you an example. You want to work at the city of Dallas and you're somewhere else in the States and it's a networking tip, right? So informational interviews, you want to reach someone who works with the infrastructure and you find someone on LinkedIn and you give them a call or you send an email and you say, hey, I'm moving to Dallas soon. I'd love to work for the city. And I see that you are in that position and you would know things about the infrastructure, how the cities ran, how things are there. Can I buy you coffee and talk for 15 minutes? That is such a simple thing to do. You can do that repeatedly. It's easy. It doesn't take a lot of time. And a lot of people will agree to such a meeting if you are polite, if you're focused and you're not wasting their time and you're not trying to shove your resume down their throats, you have to do it respectfully. It's a great way to build a network and to get information and to meet people. 
Yeah, I just want to say something about that point. Actually, we have one of the members of our engineering mastermind. He did just that. He wanted to get a job, a new job as a structural engineer. He found a company that looked really interesting, found one of the executives and asked him, you know, I'm looking for a mentor. I have some questions about my career. Can we get together for coffee? Sure enough, the gentleman obliged. He came, he brought his resume, asked him some questions about the resume. And within a couple of weeks, they were interviewing him and hiring him. So that's just a case study example of an engineer that I know. In fact, that engineer did an entire webinar about the process that he used, which is inside of our community, the Engineering Mastermind. So if you're a member, you can get that on the past webinars page, but it works. So basically just want to give an example of how an engineer actually used that process. I love it. All right, Richard, let's talk about LinkedIn because LinkedIn is something that engineers are always asking me, does that really work? Can I really use that to look for a job? Well, give me some input on that. First of all, a quick statistic, six out of 10 companies say that LinkedIn is a critical component of their recruiting process. Okay, six out of 10 companies are really using LinkedIn to look for people. And when I talk about LinkedIn, I start with the big three of first impressions. So LinkedIn users will look for people by doing a search. And the search displays search results, which is your picture, your name, and your headline. So the big three are your picture, your headline, and your summary within your profile. So the first two, the picture and the headline, are the things that you see on the search results. So when people see the search results on LinkedIn, let's say they're looking for civil engineers or structural engineers, and they type these words uh, within their region, and you come up. If your picture is better than most, if you look more reliable, if you look more likable, that's more chances for you to get a click for them to see your profile. If your headline is catchy, I've looked at a lot of headlines on LinkedIn for civil engineers, and they all say the same thing. Civil engineer, civil engineer at company X, junior engineer. People have an opportunity to shine using their headline and they're just wasting it by saying what their position is. What you can do to make your headline more catchy, more fun to read, you can add industry in there, mining and oil and gas, like civil engineer, mining, oil and gas, or I found someone who had like an extra set of skills, licensed civil engineer, GIS specialist, personal branding and social media consultant, all on the same headline. Now, these examples, and you can find more examples of powerful LinkedIn headlines on the web, but if you optimize your picture and you optimize your headline, you're just gonna be very visible on LinkedIn. And then when they click, your profile and you start with a strong summary with all your key accomplishments and your credentials, you have a very strong natural LinkedIn presence. But I'm going to give you two more tips for specifically job seeking. I find that LinkedIn is a powerful tool for targeted networking. So here I go. The first one is bridge persons. Okay, so a bridge person on LinkedIn is someone that can introduce you to a decision maker or to someone you need to talk to. So LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, your connections are your first degree connections. That's how LinkedIn talks about them. First degree connections are the people you're directly connected with. Now, 
their first degree connections are your second degree connections. And that can easily reach 10,000 people. So if you want to apply on a specific position and at company X, you go to LinkedIn, you type in company X and you're going to see in the results, do you know people who work there or do you have second degree connections who work there? Your first degree connections can introduce you to your second degree connections who work there and then you could send them a resume that would bypass the natural resume selection process and would get you in the hands of the decision maker much quicker. So using bridge persons on, on LinkedIn is a great way to, to use it. Another thing that people are not using enough in my view is that through LinkedIn groups, you can message a lot of people. You have direct access to people who are in the same groups as you on LinkedIn, right? So if you join LinkedIn to participate in groups, you don't need to be in 50 groups. You can only participate in three to five groups and that's reasonable. But being in more groups than that opens you to the inbox of so many people that just for that reason, you should be in many, many, many groups. So each month you have 15 free messages that you can send to people in your groups. And it's great to ask people for informational interviews. Those are really interesting tips. And listen, the thing about LinkedIn is just to remember is that when someone looks at your profile, the first thing that they look at is your photo. I mean, it's there, it's a photo, it's a picture, their eyes are going to gravitate towards it. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of engineers mess this up. I've seen people with their dogs, with their horses, <laughs> so a guy with his, with his rifle, like, like hunting or something. Right. The way I look at it, I mean, I would never tell anyone to put a photo on your resume, but if you were to put a photo on your resume, I would kind of keep that caliber of a photo on LinkedIn because mm -hmm. it's not Facebook. It's not for just throwing pictures up there Absolutely. and just keep that in mind. That being said, tell us about the other social medias. Is there any other social media avenues or sites that they should think about, consider when they're going through this process? My advice here is if you're already a big Facebook or Twitter user, you might look for a job there. There are ways to look for work there, but maybe the stats are not tailored for civil engineers. So the stats that I've seen are general and my educated guess would be that they are for lower level positions and not uh, the more senior positions will, will probably not be seen there. For example, a, a heavy Twitter user, that's an avenue I would consider because Twitter has more of a professional population than Facebook. And uh, however, I wouldn't open a Twitter account to start looking for a job there. I would just put all that energy on LinkedIn. But if you are a Twitter user right now and you're looking for work, of course you can use it, but you should prioritize LinkedIn. However, that being said, recruiters use social network to vet you, to validate that you're a sound candidate. And here, Facebook is the main tool. Google comes first. It's not a social media, but I want to tell you, like 50% of recruiters will Google you, but about 40% of recruiters will look for you on Facebook. And if you have friends in common, they might investigate to their friends. Do you know this person? So you have to make sure that what shows up on Google when you type your name what shows up on Facebook, the pictures you're tagged in and, and such are somewhat uh, under control. 
So that's a good exercise to do before you uh, start sending out resumes. Excellent. Richard, is it true, because I've heard this, that there are a large number of jobs that are not posted anywhere? Yeah. I mean, I've heard that statistic and I, I've searched recently for the source of that statistic because I often hear or read that 80% of jobs are not advertised anywhere. And many experts still toss that statistic around. And when you search for a source, they're only quoting other experts and only saying, well, many experts say that and the source is never there. So I went a bit crazy on that search because I'm a bit of a journalist at heart and I like to investigate. And I was like, what is the source for that statistic? Because we, like the career experts, use it to scare people into networking because the logic is, if most jobs are not advertised, you have to find them through your network. And while I think that is sound advice, like, well, I feel it makes a lot of sense. I don't understand how we can still quote that number. And through my research, I even subscribed to the New York Times archive because I wanted to dig in the past. And uh, it's got a great name. Their tool, it's, it's called the Times Machine. I love that. It's called the Times Machine. And Anthony, I found an ad in 1980 that was quoting that statistic. 80% of, of jobs are advertised. And if that was true in 1980, in a world where there was no internet, where like specialized publications came out once a month, like, I couldn't believe that it was still true today in the era of LinkedIn, in the, the era of job aggregators like Indeed.com, where Indeed aggregates job postings from thousands of websites. Like, don't tell me there's like so many more jobs that are not advertised. That didn't make sense. And actually I found a Silk Road study. A Silk Road is one of the ATS, the applicant tracking systems that create all the silly rules for the formatting of your resume. Well, the good side for the job seeker of these, of these applicant tracking systems is that they can tell you the sources of hires because they track these things and the numbers were way off. Like it was so different from the 80% figure. Here's what the numbers provided for online channels. Okay. 59% of interviews are given to people who have applied through online channels. That is a big number. That is much more than a 20% figure you would expect. However, and that's an interesting caveat. Only 42% of people hired were hired through resumes sent on online channels. Okay, so which means that people who had networked, people who had gotten their resume there through other means had better chances than people applying through job boards. That is interesting. Yeah, so the networking path is still the best way to get hired. However, job boards are a very effective way of getting interviews. So I think that's the new reality and that statistic, you can forget about that. That's something that should stay in the 20th century. Today, we really have to have a balance between networking and applying online. And just a note, career sites, when companies on their websites have a career page or a career site, 
that's usually a better place to apply than a job board. So if you have a few companies and you should actually have a few companies, 10, 20 companies that you're just watching, you should go to their, like you're targeting, you should go to their career sites like once a week just to see what's going on. And if you see an opportunity, it's better to apply there than on a job board. All right, last question that I have for you on the job search, and then I'm going to rapid fire a couple career questions to end this off. Mm-hmm. What are a few tips? You mentioned getting the interview from these postings. What are a few tips that you have for more success on the actual job interview? Okay, so for job interviews, uh, job interviews are a big, big topic. And I have two tips that I love to give that are a bit uncommon. I find them very effective. The first one is called power posing. Uh, There's a TED talk from a a woman, a Harvard professor in sociology, and she studies, or in psychology, I'm sorry, and she studies how our body language affects the way we think. And she realized, and their studies realized, that if you stand strong, let's say like Superman with hands on your hips, or like someone on the I'm doing the gestures as I speak. Uh, Someone on the podium at the Olympics with your arms in the air. You stand like that for two minutes. Okay, I'm serious. Like this is a real tip. I, I do that in my own life. Whenever I need more confidence and when I need to reduce the stress, these postures will actually do that. They stimulate the hormones in your body to because it tells your brain start thinking like more competitively and fear less. So that's the first tip before going into a job interview, just head to the bathroom, hide yourself for two minutes and just use one of these power stances. And it's valuable, especially if you're someone who needs help with stress management. Now, the other tip is to learn about Glassdoor. Glassdoor is a website where they have users review their past jobs and input their last salary. So it's a huge database that is fairly accurate with salaries. So you can search by region, by position, and you can figure out how much should I expect to be paid at this company. If it's a fairly large company, you can have the data right there just for you. But sometimes you have to find like a similar company or a similar job title to give you an idea. For example, if you're moving city or if you're changing industries and you're not really sure how much engineers are paid in that specific place, Glassdoor is a great spot to help you prepare for the salary negotiation aspect. I believe the woman that you referred to at Harvard is Amy Cuddy. That's right. We'll link to her TED Talk in the show notes as well because that is a pretty powerful talk. All right, Richard, you gave us a lot of great information on the job search process resumes. I'm going to fire off just a couple of last uh, questions here with general career development that I like to ask everyone. So first one is, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or something at lunch, midday that you do consistently that contributes to your success as a professional? Well, it's something I do in the morning. It's since I'm working from home, I'm alone and no one sees me. So I could just work in jeans and a t-shirt. But I discipline myself to dress up as if I was going to work in an office because I believe that the way I'm dressed has an impact on how I'm feeling throughout the day. 
And I'm not going to be sloppy if I'm, you know, if I'm dressed up, whereas if I was wearing shorts and flip flops and what have you, that's a trick that works for me. So that's something that I've been doing since I'm working on my own company and I'm keeping up with this because it's, I think it's working. Next one. What is one book that you might recommend to civil engineers that you found to be extremely helpful in your personal or professional development? I've been reading a lot recently about social media and, um, well, you know what? There's one book. If you give a lot PowerPoint presentations. Yes. Engineers often have to give presentations, technical, different kinds of presentations. Definitely. So in that space, there's one book that I keep going back to by Nancy Duarte. It's called Slideology. And this book is everything that you hate about PowerPoint presentations. This book shows you how to do it better than you ever expected you could. It's worth so much more than it sells for. Like this book is a great tool. If you ever need to do a powerful, like a strong presentation, She's the woman behind Al Gore's presentations for the Inconvenient Truth movie with all the fancy graphics and the, the, the way to deliver a message. She covers all the aspects of the PowerPoint presentations, the preparation and uh, the putting the slides together and the delivery. It's fascinating. All right. Last question for you. And I know you're not a civil engineer, but you've had a lot of experience in a, in a consulting career. If you happen to get into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 seconds to give him or her some piece of powerful career advice in that short period of time, what do you think it would be? I saw a lot of people with eight years at PwC. I see the types of people who were going up. And I think after a very short amount of time in a place, you should be able to figure out if you belong there or not, and if the higher rungs are accessible to you. And I've seen a lot of people that were obviously not suited to become, in this case, partners who were striving for that carrot. And they were like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try. I think I can do this. But for most people, it was already obvious. And I think for the amount of work that they've put into that, I think if you have a specific goal in mind, make sure that your potential and your strengths are aligned to that goal. And don't try to be uh, like, sometimes we try to fit like a square peg in a round hole, but sometimes when we are that square peg, it, it gets even much harder to realize it. Well, Richard, listen, thank you so much for coming on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Can you tell our listeners either information that you have that they can access or where they can connect with you so that they can get some more information about resume hacking for civil engineers? Well, it was a pleasure to be here, Anthony. So thank you a lot. My website is resumehacking.com. I have a newsletter there. If you're looking for a job, my newsletter will give you daily tips. Otherwise, my LinkedIn on LinkedIn, you can connect with me or you can follow me simply to see what's going on in my life. And obviously, my books, the resume hacking books are available on Amazon. All right. So with that, it was it was a really interesting topic today, thinking about resumes and the job search and a lot of other applicable points that would apply really whether or not you're currently doing a job search. As we close out this episode, one of the things that I would love to do is to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. 
I personally used PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. And that's the reason that I feel so confident in recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your civil engineering career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL, C-I-V-I-L, for a 20% discount. If you're enjoying the podcast, go to iTunes, search for the Civil Engineering Podcast, and please leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us to get the show out to more civil engineers and also lets us know that people are listening and enjoying the show. Until our next episode, I wish you all the best in your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 